And we do this on all of our social media posts. Uh, posts? No, that's not what the post said. Um, so we, we do this, and we'll put the little hashtag at the end of the statements or the end of the things that says doing life together. And so tonight, as the wrap-up to our community series, as we've been walking through the book of Philippians, that's been our basis, just taking that verse by verse and going through there and learning about what it means to walk in community, then the, the title for this would be the hashtag doing life together. Because it's so incredibly important, and what you'll see is here, Paul, at the end of this book, at the end of this uh, letter to the Philippian church, is going to remind us that we can't do this alone. This is not a faith that's meant to be walked alone. The body of Christ is so incredibly important. And whether you like this church or another church or any other church, that's, that's not the bigger picture. It's about being in community with a group of people that you can know and be accountable to and walk through life with. And there's a lot of perspectives about going to church and about being a part of a church and are you a member or are you not? And like, there's a big tension that just kind of exists because of the, the structure that we've given church. And we've got these models that are out there and there's as many different models for as many different personalities as far as church goes. But the bottom line is what we're going to see here is we have to. We are called to. We are... Uh, uh, given huge cries in scripture to not try and do this all by ourselves to to really know that there have got you've got to have a community of people you were meant to be both spiritually connected to god but then socially connected to his people and god made us in his image and even in the very beginning, it said God looked and, and God had conversation with, with himself, which is kind of weird, but um, it says that God the Father, the Spirit, and the Son were all together. And in the very beginning of creation, he said, let us make man in our image. Part of the thing that went along with that was being in community. He said, it's not good that a man should be alone. And, and most of the ladies know, like, yes, that is absolutely true. Men on their own, not a good scenario. But even further than that, there was a community statement there. There was something that said, we, we just weren't built to be in solitary. Now, I'm an aggressively social person in general. And I enjoy hanging out with people. I don't mind super awkward introductions and that kind of stuff. So if I've had one of those with you, high five, right? It's good. And, and yet I know that my personality is very different than a lot of other people. For, for some people, do you, I, you know, it's hard to believe. We actually have people who show up late on Sunday night so that they can avoid having conversation and possibly shaking someone's hand. Even though we don't do it every week, and I don't put it in the same place in the service every time, so nanny, nanny, boo, boo, right? But that's just awkward. I just don't want to do that. I just want to go and do my thing, right? That, for some people, and that's okay. I, I'm glad, but I'll still keep pestering you with it. And for some people, when you say, hey, I'd like to come, whoa, good Lord. Oh, oh we almost had a moment together right there. This is out of whack. Um, we, sorry, I was very abrupt. Um, I'm just going to stop and pray. No, um, 
And if you're listening to recording, it will be cut out. So um, I don't even know where I was going. I just didn't want to go off the platform. That's all it was. Some people, if you say, hey, we, wanna, uh, we love that you serve the church and we want you to come up here and July wants to interview you, you should hear the responses we get from people. Like there was one guy, just come over to my house and shoot me in the face, please. Like he's just like, right? He's like, I will leave the church. I will leave the state if you make me do this, right? And I was like, whoa, wow. And now that's my hard time because even talking with Cindy, uh, Cindy, my wife, my lovely bride, it's not just a general name that I refer to as people I talk to, but uh, Cindy and I were talking and, and I just don't understand the way even... Sh- well, guys and girls, of course, but the way she thinks about certain things, like there's certain things that get to her and I'm like, what's the big deal? Right now, then there's a whole bunch of things that really drive her nuts that I do. And I'm like, what's the big deal? Right. We all have those things back and forth. Now, recognizing that and knowing that I try to be as sensitive as I can to say, okay, not everybody is weird like me. Um, so let's try and frame this in a way that all of us can understand this. So the reason I wanted to talk about community and have spent so much time talking about that a community takes an investment on everybody's part of time. What you've got is your, your number one commodity. The only thing you really own in this world is your time. Sad part is a lot of us give it away. We let other people run our time. And that's a whole nother conversation and message you can listen to on a recording. The second, well, thank you. Um, the second one, she just got a very important prayer request. Um, but then the, the second one would be our talent. There's been a bunch, I would say probably half the group in here, because I get to see the stats of who logged in and um, did their spiritual gifts tests. And it doesn't say you by name, uh, but it just gives me general t- stats. Um, this is what the people in your church are gifted to do. We have a lot of people that are encouragers, that are workers, that are people who are called to share the message of Christ. Crazy. Like even some of you probably who filled out that test that would be like, I don't talk and I don't talk out loud. You might have come up as somebody who, who really is gifted to share the message. And so I've been watching and seeing time and talent and then our finances and how what we can do as a crew if we actually threw in together what we could do to make a difference in this community on the whole. See, and, and the reason those three things are such a big deal is because in our community, in the general broad community, apart from Scripture, apart from the Lord, it is not a natural thing to give of your time. It's mine. I need some me time. That's the one we hear all the time. It's not a natural thing to give of your talents, to find out what you're really gifted to do and figure out where you can inject yourself without getting paid for it. Well, I have these gifts. They should pay me for those. That's that's a big deal. It's not a normal thing to say, I'm going to set aside 10% of all that I've earned in my income or been benefited by my job, and I'm going to set that, I'm going to give that first. Before I even look at my bills, I'm going to do that first. Do you know how many conversations over the last week I've had with people who said, I never really thought about tithing as something to do first, 
as giving to the Lord first. Before I even look at anything else, that I do that first. I've never, I, usually it's kind of like at the end, if I've got some left, I want to give it in. And it hasn't been purposeful. So we've had a bunch of people who've downloaded that document and started to fill some things out or, or, or put on their little Excel spreadsheets and all those kind of things. And it's been incredible to see. So we're going to look at the scripture um, out of Philippians that we're going to use. And I'm not going to read the entire last chapter, and I'll kind of paraphrase a few things for you. But I want you to turn to, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. If the lights go out at all, it'd be on the screen. So don't worry about it. We got you covered. And, and I'm just going to read through this, and then we're going to take a look. And I've got some really cool things to tell you about. But if we're living in community, doing life together, let's see what Paul has to say to the Philippian church as his final statement in the letter that they were going to hold on to, read, and live and, and work with their church by for the next period of time. He says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. First thing to note is Paul really likes these people. There's not many people that I would refer to as my joy and crown that I've received for my work. There's a few of you in here. We'll get there. So, the next thing would be, now I appeal to, to Euodia. That's a good name if you're looking for a name for a kid. I know the Akins are going to be having one, so little Euodia could be running around here. You could do that just to mess with teachers later on, right? How many of you teachers have gotten names like, what in the name of the Lord. Okay. And then this was even better. Euodia and Syntyche. Yeah. Nice, right? Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Now, this is big. If you're being called out by Paul in a letter to the whole city and church, and he's saying, please stop fighting. It must have been a pretty deep fight that they had going on. And then he says to his friend, he says, and I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news, and they worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. So they're saved, they're believers, and they're in an impasse and they need help. Then he goes to verse 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting them into practice, all the things that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. We're going to stop right there. That's a pretty big mouthful that he just went into. That's a pretty big call that he's put in front of us. And I'm just going to go back to verses uh, two and three. We got the first part. 
But I would say if we're going to take a thing from these notes and talk about what living in community looks like, then the first statement I want you to remember, and if you're typing it in your phone or texting a friend, text them this message. Say, there is no room for big and long-term disagreements and disunity in the church. If you want to even break it down farther, there is no room for disunity in the church. Now it's one thing. Uh, we have people who are vegetarians here. We generally have a meat item on the tables when you go out to eat after. And it's one thing to say, I don't do that. I'm going to do something else. It's another thing to go and start picketing in front of our church because you don't like that we serve tri-tip. It's a different deal. And, and we can see that as like, oh, Jeff, who would do that? But think about it. In churches, we have so much because of personalities and flavors of who we are. And some people are way spiritual and they love the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit that may be released in different ways to their lives. And other people are like, just give me the book, give me the facts, give me the thing. I'm going to go here. I'm direct. Uh, some people are missions is everything. We are just sent to call to go and be and do. And some people are like, I'm just trying to get my living room straight right? We're in all different places, and, and disagreement does not mean disunity. Just because I'm not at the place you're at, or maybe a, a different stage of growth doesn't mean disunity. What disunity looks like is people that just can't be in the same room with one another. And I'm not saying if you can't be in the same room with somebody, you got to get up and leave. No, I'm saying as the church, let us be the people who decide we're going to follow the will and the order of Christ and get it straightened out. Because that's our testimony. That's what it looks like. There's no place for disunity in the church. This guy that he says, um, I'm appealing to you and I'm asking you my true partner. His name was Sisygus. Uh, and he was asked to go and mediate with Euodia and Syntyche. And that's a big bucket of collection of really bad names. But on top of that, there's somebody that was called in to help remedy. And this is what I would say, if the call is to be a church that exemplifies the gospel message by living in unity then we have to, without question, there's no pass on this, we have to get it straightened out. And there are times where you and I may disagree, and between the two of us, we may not be able to get it figured out. So you know what? We ask somebody to come in and help us. I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling lately because I'm doing a lot of weddings. And one of the things I tell couples, it is not a slam against you if you can't get it figured out to invite someone who is in authority over your life to come and help you sort things out. Because sometimes walking through our houses, walking across our bedroom, we can't get it figured out because I have my way, you have your way. And I've watched marriages crumble because they're too embarrassed to say we can't figure it out on our own. Paul, in front of all the Philippian church, said, see these two gals? Really like them. Like them so much, I'm going to put them on blast to the world. 
And the only thing I know about Yodia and Syntyche, other than the bad name thing, is that they were at an impasse and there was disunity where they were at. And so God has called us to be people that proclaim the message of freedom and it starts for us by proclaiming that the people of God are people who live unified lives. We're doing this together. That's why we put doing life together on so many things because I want people to know we're in this together because it reminds me what I'm supposed to be doing and it reminds me of the people that I'm doing this alongside. This is one thing that I wrote down. I debated even putting it in here because it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's a big statement. But if you're threatening the unity of believers, whether in the church or outside of this church, but especially here, if you are at a place where you're backbiting or you're letting people know secrets about them and you're trying to make sure that you end up on the top and you are threatening unity of a body of believers, then literally you are threatening the power of the message of the gospel. Because how many people do you know who would say, I would be a Christian if it weren't for Christians? If it weren't for the people I knew who let me down in my life and I saw that they didn't do what they said, I would be one of those. But because they do, then... So let's make the message of the gospel everything that it should be and not discredit it because of our thing that we can't get over. Verse 4 says this, It says to always be full of joy in the Lord. And he says, and I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. The message version says this, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it clear as you can so that no one that you meet, or to that everyone that you meet will know that you're on their side, working for them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. I have a friend. uh, He was actually a former student of mine. He's a teacher. He's been given all kinds of crazy awards in the state of Texas as a teacher. He's a real young guy, but man, he's done some amazing things with his processing students through his classes and the things that he teaches. And you can tell that he loves these kids. And the first thing he does is he draws a funny little character of himself, and he's, it's funny because he's kind of round and he has a giant beard, and he actually nails it on the marker board. And so then his big thing that he puts on the board next to his character is the things you're going to find out in this class. And he lists off, you know, come prepared, and he lists off, you know, several of the items. And he gets down to the very end, and number nine on his list is, I am for you. I've got your back. I believe in you. I know that you can do it. Together, we're going to make this happen. And he goes on, he says, and without being too creepy, I love you. And then number 10 on the board says, and I'm going to spend the rest of the year trying to prove that to you. No wonder he's killing it in education. There's something about this guy that really captivates people, and it's real, and he's going to spend every minute of the year doing his very best to prove it. 
Now, in our world, that's a a Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever kind of world, we do this to a certain extent, but we give people a big picture of who we are from afar. I don't have a chance to sit down with every single one of you, have coffee, let you ask me all the questions, and do all the things. I love to, I want to, I want the opportunity, but for the most part, you're going to know me by what you see from me. So what do we do in our world? We kind of people, right? We go on, we don't make comments on their pictures, but we, hey, that's, I saw that, right? And then there's some of you that like stinking every picture that's ever been posted on the things, right? Which is hilarious too. But then in addition, what we do is, is on the side of the posters, we don't post negative stuff about ourselves. You may say today was a rough day, insinuating that the most of the days are not rough days, But we post the best meals we've ever eaten, the best vacations we've ever had, the moments before and after, which uh, were, were terrible. We don't talk about those, but we post the best version of ourselves as much as we can, because to do other than that would be ridiculous. But people look at us and they sometimes kind of think, well, I'm not so sure about that. And then they see something from us that doesn't mirror that. So, again, have you ever seen uh, some, a picture, a profile picture that somebody posts, and then you meet them, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> nah, I didn't even recognize you, and I don't even want to tell you why, right? There's certain things, like catching the right angle and the right light makes a big difference. And, and what I would say is this. The word is real clear in this verse 4. Always be full of joy. Let everyone see you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. He's saying, be real. Don't fake it. And, and in all the things, recognize the joy of the Lord will come through you. As a community, how are we communicating the joy of the Lord? Is our gospel a joyful freedom that we're proclaiming or is it a painful mess what is the gospel we proclaim with our lives and here's where i would go even farther in how we portray ourselves my dad when we were younger we had three boys um he had three boys i was one of them i say things very awkwardly sometimes i'm sorry and i I was the oldest, and I was, again, just like, I don't know why I was so confident when I was a kid, but I was just kind of born this way, right? Me and Lady Gaga, I don't get it, but, um, and so uh, as we're having the conversations at church, my dad overheard me telling some people about how awesome I was at the sport I was playing, which I was. I mean, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Like, oh, Jeff, please. And he, we got in the car, and, and my mom kind of gave me this look, and then my dad would follow up. And, and I remember my dad just telling me one time, he said, Jeff, just remember this. If you are really good at something, other people will tell you. In fact, if you're really, really good, they'll tell you so much that you'll never have to tell them how good you are. And I remember there was a couple of times I started conversations, because again, uber confidence and not a very good lock on the mouth, right? That I would see my dad or my mom or a friend from across the way who would look at me and be like, hmm? Oh, never mind. We got to the point one time where we said, unless they ask you, you're not allowed to talk about it anymore. 
I still would talk about it. But the point is, if you really are the people of God, if you really are loving, if you really are forgiving, if you really are a servant, if you really are the things that you want to put out there and the things that you proclaim from the gospel, everyone will know it. And they will tell you. A lot of us spend our time and energy trying to stir up and hope that people can follow the flow that we're building. Hopefully they'll notice this is who I am and what I do. Hopefully they'll notice this is the things that I'm gifted at. Hopefully they'll notice. And, and God says things like, just stop and be with me and let the fruit of your life speak. And if you really are that, they're going to come and they're going to say, what's the difference? I need to know. And that's our testimony. We don't have to go around telling everybody, you know, hey, this is who I am. Ah. They say, no, 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 there's a light, there's a difference, there's a peace, there's a rest that's among you. I'm going to wind this down because I've got to be done, but I've got a lot of things to say. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we had a guest speaker. His name was Brian Ross. And he talked about people who were in depression and frustrated and going to uh, uh, counselors and clinics. And a couple of these counselors did a, a study and a test where they said, okay, you got so many things going wrong in your life. What we want you to do is start every day by listing the 10 things that are good. And what are you thankful for? A couple weeks later, people came back and they're like, oh my goodness, you wouldn't believe it. All my work co-workers have better attitudes. All the things that were wrong, everything's worked out. And what they tracked it down to is instead of thinking about all the things that were caving in on them, they put their thoughts into being thankful and grateful for the place that they were. And all of a sudden, it seemed like the whole world had come to realize what they had always known. God says, don't worry about anything. He doesn't say that we won't worry about anything. He doesn't say there's not going to be anything to worry about. But he says, just don't. Now, he doesn't say it like this. And I've got a video up here that I thought was it's kind of a little comic relief for you to, to catch up on. But check this one out. See, now, for so many things, that's the way we picture like that God's justice is, right? Just stop it. Don't do it. Don't be it. Don't, no matter what you feel, no matter what. And that's not what he says. In his word, he says, don't do this, but instead, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Now, I can tell you, I've been meeting with people, and I counsel people, and I confer with people, and maybe I'm, I'm probably not the best at everything having to do with counseling. I, I'm going to honor that fact. And I'm not like that. I'll just let you know. If you meet with me, you don't have to, like, brace up. But one thing I do know from all these years of doing this now is that we as humanity like to talk about our issues and our problems with a lot more people than God at a much greater volume and quantity than we do with the Lord himself. 
Some of the things that we carry around, we, we write about, we talk about, we have small conversations about, we bring them up at every prayer group, we bring them up at everything. And if we were to measure those against the number of times and deep conversations with the Lord that we have had, we would see a big imbalance. And I'm not saying that's for everybody, and I'm not negating the fact that there is illness, and there are people who struggle, but here is what the constantly comes up in Scripture. When you feel it, when you know it, when you have something that's gripped your soul, he says, live next to me, as close as me, to me as you can possibly get, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's a testimony to the world. When you see a community of people who are walking out their worry by giving those things to the Lord on a minute by minute, not once a day, not bedtime and nighttime, not wake up time and sleep time, but minute by minute, and the worry is going away, washing away from a community, that's when people are drawn to the message of the gospel. We live in a worry-wracked society. I was watching an interview with the infamous, now, Ryan Lochte. Ryan, why did you lie to everyone? I didn't really lie. I just left out some details. No, tell me, why did you lie? And one of the very first things that came out of his mouth well, I was worried about, and he had a whole bunch of reasoning that went along with it. I was worried that I might, I was worried, and it's changed the shape. Maybe that's a little too fresh. Maybe you got, Ryan's just a sweet boy. I don't know. But in our lives, how many times have we let worry wreck us and wreck relationships and wreck life and in the process? Weaken the message of the gospel that we proclaim from our mouths and our hearts and our lives. The next section of Scripture says this. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And I love it. It says one final thing, and then he gives us the weightiest part of text. Fix your eyes on, on thoughts, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then God will be your peace. What? Finally, let me just action pack this thing all together and throw it in there. And, and that list right there, I can just tell you, kind of like the challenge of actually being the Proverbs 31 woman, I don't know if it's possible. Think about the things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about them all the time. These things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything from you heard from me, then the God of peace will be with you. Here's the, the issue that we've got. We live in the world. Just walking outside, there's going to be something that throws me off. Just cruising down the street during the middle of the day, there's something there that is not true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. 
So what does he say? He says, do life together. Live in community. Draw people in and begin making this your focus and ask one another when we bring up coarse conversation or things that we know we shouldn't be doing, hold one another accountable. Step in, learn, grow, continue to sing praise, continue to give honor to the Lord, continue to make me first in your lives. Do life together and this kind of thing will start to happen and change your world. So how do we do it? Well, we meet together for encouragement, and we gather up people. I don't know if you noticed, but last week um, we had Mike DeGroat came up here, and he talked about the parking lot guys, and apparently now there's like a whole therapy group that meets out there for parking, because there was more bright yellow vests out there than I've ever seen, and people were like, parking, right? And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. It's like, whoa, right? But it's, it's catching, and those guys aren't there just waving at you and shaking hands. Like Their deal is they're doing some life together out there. They're connecting. And all the different groups and all the different conversations. Did you hear the testimony of the nursery? Sometimes you just got to talk to somebody who's in the same place of life you are and get some encouragement. That's what it looks like. For our guys, we do this thing called Man Up Monday. And we meet on Monday nights, and different ones of us will lead that and walk through a section of Scripture or talk about real life. That's what we do. For our, our students, I don't know, I'm, I'm announcing something big. Next week we're going to talk about it even more. Starting tonight, we are getting the wheels rolling on our full-blown student ministry, middle school through high school, and it's going to be stinking awesome. I met with, this week with about 20 volunteers from our church who say we want to mentor and walk through life with students, and it's going to be incredible. And so how do we do this? We put kids in places where they can be taught the message of the gospel, and we give them mentors to walk through life and encourage them and strengthen them. I was thinking about this with our women. Our ladies are real good at gathering up, and so there's a big conference happening just down the road that a couple of our gals are on the team. for. They brought Jen Hatmaker uh, in, and she's a famous author and Bible study uh, leader, and, and so she's going to be in there, and we got a whole group of people that are headed that way. That are going to be going and taking that in over the weekend, over a weekend, and being encouraged. Additionally, we're about to start a new season of our women's Bible study, and we're going to—they're going to get together here at this location starting September 13th, and every other week meet here for Bible study, and on the off weeks meet for coffee and invite people to come and just do life together. I got one more video for you because I want you to see the kind of things that we're putting out in front of you for how we live this way. And so, Paul, will you go ahead and play that video? This is our introduction for our women's Bible study and what it looks like. So we're doing things like looking at what the gospel really is about, where the Bible takes us, how it goes with us, and where we can see God at work in our lives. When he says, think about these things, things that are right and true and good. And he lists off these, all these things and says, then the presence of the Lord, then God himself will be with you. Let me encourage you that that doesn't happen by you staying home and being a hermit in your own house, but it happens through doing life together and committing as a community to follow the presence of the Lord. One of the famous sections of Scripture out of Philippians is Philippians 4-13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, I love the fact 
that people are actually realizing that it doesn't mean that I can win every game that I ever play. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you know throw a spear at me and I can dodge it. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that I will always prosper and I will always know because we're talking about Paul who was in a bad way and he's saying whether I'm broke or I'm rich, whether I have nothing or plenty, I know that my relationship with the Lord will carry me through. What's interesting is as you read that text and you look around it, he also points out, thank you so much for ministering to my needs. Thank you so much for caring about me because knowing that you were there made a huge difference. In the words of Paul, connection to God is the single most important thing we can have. And that closely thereafter is a relationship with a people who are godly and pursuing the gospel to be changed and to change the world by that. So when we say doing life together, We're doing life together so that we can see what He will do when we finally let go. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this opportunity we have to be together again tonight. And I pray that uh, my way of communicating the things that have been on my heart this week that I believe You put on my heart will transfer and that your Holy Spirit will do the translation work in our hearts to really make it what you have desired for us to hear tonight. I thank you for your word that allows us to just follow through and follow a people through their walk and their journey and see what you would say to our community. God, I thank you that you've called us to do this together. So just as a way of continuing this prayer and coaching you through kind of the way we wrap up our services here. With your eyes closed and not paying attention to anybody else, if you are here tonight and you like the idea of community and you like the idea of doing life together, but you have not called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and recognized God as the one true God who has rescued you through the blood of His Son, then tonight we want you to have that opportunity. And it's very, very simple. In a few moments, I'm going to give you just a time of silence where we're all going to be praying prayers that that God is leading us toward. And if yours is a prayer of salvation, this is what it would look like. To say, God, I want you to be my God, the one true God in my life, nothing else in the way. I'm broken and I've made mistakes and I have sinned and I need your healing. So would you forgive me? Would you forgive me and draw me in? And to follow that up, if you have done that, if you have responded to Christ, If you have responded to that salvation call on your heart, I would pray that in the next few moments you might have something out of the challenges that were here. And the challenges were many. This was a very difficult message for me to even go through as well as I was preparing them. If there's something that's swiftly on your heart, would you just take that to the Lord and then begin to thank Him for removing and healing you in your places of hurt and worry and doubt, struggle and pain, areas where we need forgiveness.
So each person, whether it's a prayer of salvation or it's a prayer just acknowledging to the Lord where we surrender, why don't we just take a moment where we just pray on our own and then I'll close you in prayer and we'll worship together one more time. So God, we ask, just as Paul let us know at the end of this section of Scripture that the same God who provided for Paul and every other broken place and every other broken person and everybody who has been in need and has needed repentance and needed a Savior from, from history until now, just as you've provided for them, will you provide for our needs through your glorious riches? Will you give us the gift of your Son and remind us what this is all about? Father God, we thank you. We praise you for you are good and your mercies endure forever. In Jesus' name, amen.